I could see that. A sailboat. Anywhere you want to go. Maldives, Bora Bora, Tahiti. You could do it. South Pacific. That's, that's several months of sailing, but just I know, but can you, just, you just jump in the water when you get... Right. I'm, I'm, Hot. Trust me, I'm all for Tired. <laughs> and other reasons. That's amazing. All right. Well, uh... <laughs> We've talked about our <laughs> retirement plans. Let's dive in. Good afternoon and welcome to Golfside Chats. I'm Beth Green. And I'm Jared Matzenbecker. And today's podcast is entitled, What Legacy? I Want to Bounce My Last Check. And I certainly want to bounce my last check. And no. <laughs> Not sure if that's a good strategy. Though. No, I know. I'm kidding. So talking about adequately preparing for retirement and fulfilling the dreams that we're talking about and the dreams of our the folks that we help and work with. Um, so we need to dive in. Gone are the days of the pension, or for most people, if you're still a firefighter, teacher, some government folks still have a pension, but for the most part, gone from corporate America are the days of pensions. So we need to adequately prepare for that retirement. And in conversations that we have with clients all the time, whether it's new clients or existing, uh, all the reasons people typically think about retirement, whether it's they know they want to retire at 65 or 55 or something unexpected, like in a, they lose a job, they get downsized or laid off. Um, and in some cases, obviously, their health won't allow them to work long enough or, or won't allow them to work as long as they'd like to. All those reasons and so many more come up, and I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast can relate to one, if not more than one of those reasons, uh, because everyone's reasons for retirement and the way they view it are unique, to say the least. Some folks want to travel the world, like we were just talking about, jump on a sailboat and reach far-flung destinations. Some want to travel around the United States, visit family and all the great landmarks and sites we have here. And others just want to relax at home. Maybe they want to do what you like to do, play a little tennis or pickleball, right? wear out those knees. Little... The knees are already wore out. Let's <laughs> not. We don't have to wait for retirement for that to happen. They're there. And I'm sure for most. Just, just don't be one of those people that has to have rotator cuff surgery because you play pickleball too hard. Oh, jeez. Or knee replacement. That happens all the time. Whatever your interest is, we often get the question, do I have enough money to do this? Whatever this is, like you said, whether it's having a house in the mountains or having a house at the beach or sitting at home and relaxing, being able to eat out every night and not cook anymore. I mean, <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. You're supposed to wait for retirement to do that. <laughs> No, some don't, I am sure. But, you know, you get the point. Whatever your dream may be, um, these are conversations we're having with our clients all the time. And, you know, it's a matter of just sitting down and asking a few simple questions to uncover, one, what their dream is, two, you know, the money or the resources it's going to take if they want to be debt-free in retirement, um, if they have existing debt, do we need to pay that off before? So, you know, obviously everyone's lifestyle requirements are a little bit different, but answering those few simple questions will get to the heart of what they're looking for. Um, you know, obviously we want to be able to provide for them, whether it's 
some amazing lifestyle or a legacy? And, you know, when we do ask that question regarding legacy, we haven't really talked about that. So in speaking with our clients, they're always asking us, do I have enough money for the lifestyle I want to live? And, you know, we talked about all the things that they might want to do, whether it's house in the mountains, living on a sailboat, sitting at home and eating out every night, etc. Um, but through answer, sitting down with us or another professional and answering a couple simple questions, we can kind of get to the root of what they're looking for and, um, you know, plan accordingly. And in those conversations, another topic that comes up almost every single time, and, and it is actually every single time because we ask the question, is a matter of legacy. And specifically, we ask our clients if they want to leave a legacy, do they want to leave money to alma mater, a nonprofit, a religious organization, or even just family and friends? And inevitably, everyone says yes, right? Or most folks. I mean, there are the ones that we have had conversations with, which did shock us when they said, our kids are well taken care of, we're going to spend our money. But for the most part, there is some sort of legacy giving. And so then that kind of leads to the charitable aspect, right? Do you want to contribute to um, a qualified charitable distribution account? Do you want to make that from your IRA? Do you want to do donor advised funds? Do you want to establish a trust? Um, There's a lot of gifting strategies you can employ to ensure that you kind of have created that legacy. And of all the strategies you mentioned, uh, any one of them alone or a combination might be appropriate. And they can certainly be useful tools in establishing that legacy. But every situation is unique. And each strategy has both benefits and limitations that make it such that they may not fit every situation. And that's why a deeper conversation with somebody who is knowledgeable in those topics and can help guide you along the proper path is important. Uh, But that reminds me of a story, right? We talk about legacy. And we were having a recent conversation with a new client and we were discussing her goals and what type of legacy she wanted to leave. And I think we were both surprised when her response was, legacy? No. I want the last check I write to bounce. I plan to spend all of it. My husband and I worked hard for this money and there's no reason to leave any of it for anybody. And I mean... Let's admit it. We both not kind of laughed out loud. We 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 did laugh, and not in a disrespectful way. It just caught us by surprise. And while I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone plan on bouncing a check at any point in your life, uh, we definitely understand the mindset of wanting to enjoy all of your money down to the last cent. Um, you are right. That was a little unique. Um, <laughs> she's unique, and we love her. Uh, I think that there's probably others that have that similar mindset, but maybe are afraid to articulate it or, uh, you know, feel like there be that kind of society norms dictate that you need to do something a little bit different and be more charitable or more giving to your children. Um, But, you know. I hate more power to her, right? Like if that's (laughs) what she wants to do, we're all for it. And we're going to help you achieve that goal. Um, But then, you know, there's others that, like we mentioned, enjoy charitable giving or want to establish something for their children so that the kids don't have to struggle maybe like they did, you know, early on. Um, But regardless of your mindset, I think what you're kind of hitting on, what we talk about in every podcast is the planning, the financial planning aspect. 
you know, if you're not sitting down and reflecting or, you know, digging in as a individual or as a couple and really getting to the heart of what kind of will make you tick and happy in the long run, um, you're probably going to fall short on some of those goals. Yeah. And and we're certainly not here to say that you shouldn't want to spend all of your money. That's what it's for, right? You worked hard for it, so you should be able to enjoy it. Uh, the problem with bouncing the last check is that very few of us actually know how long we're going to live, right? And we tell people that all the time when we're talking about their financial plan and their goals. If you can tell us the exact day and time you'll die, we can create the perfect financial plan, right? So, a lot of it, I hate to say it, is, is not necessarily guesswork. It's obviously educated guesswork, but we're planning for a certain time frame. And we can always come up with a target if we use average life expectancy. Uh, right now in the United States, a 65-year-old male in good health can reasonably expect to live to about 83. And for a woman, that life expectancy is 86. So you can take those averages as a baseline and create a plan to generate the income you'll need, you know, invest your assets in a way that not only will you get that income, but have a, a, a reasonably good expectation that it will last your entire life. And there are a lot of ways to do that. You're going to be mad at me, but we're going to go off the rails a little bit. So it always, <laughs> I always find it incredibly interesting when we throw out the averages and we say 83, 86, regardless, right? And Inevitably, I we have these conversations with friends. I personally want to live to 150. And, you know, I was reading an article, and you can do that if you drink five basic things. Water, wine was one of them, mancha tea, <laughs> et cetera. And, you know, they guarantee you that you'll get there. Um, kidding, joking aside. But I do want to live as long as possible. And my friends inevitably say, no, I'm fine to go at 70. 70, I'm 50. That's in 20 years. Like, I, you know, that whole thing conversation yeah. we had oh, yeah. about I haven't I feel like I haven't lived what I need to live. I hope we plan for most folks well into their 90s in this day and age because you know just just 83 and 86 seems so short. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox, but I think that everyone though talks about living a quality life, yes, right? So yes. 83, 86, if you're in the bed at the nursing home and you can't really do anything, then take me early. But if I'm up and about playing pickleball, playing tennis, then I want to live well into my 90s or longer right. if I can, drinking my matcha tea, my wine, and whatever else is going to get me to 150. Um, but that begs the question, you know, about uh, some of the other components. And, you know, one I kind of hit on was debt and making sure, you know, do you want to have all of your debts paid for before you go into retirement? Are you okay to have uh, minimal housing expense or some, you know, other car payment, et cetera? So that's, I, you know, regarding retirement planning. But the other one is health care, yes. which we will talk about in just a second. But, you know, um, housing and housing expense that you need to plan for, ARP says that's one of the top three. But in my book, the number one is health care. Yeah. And there's a, there are a lot of things to consider here, right? Obviously, your current health, if you're in good health, it's not as urgent of a consideration maybe for some people. But expected health, and we have this conversation with clients all the time, 
you know, how long did your parents live? Were they in good health? What about your other family members? You know, and we don't do a complete medical history. Obviously, we're not physicians, but it's good to know these things because they do play a role. So especially your expected health would be important. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that when you talk about top expenses in retirement, healthcare is almost always number one or number two, whether it's expected or unexpected events. So most of us are likely to have coverage through Medicare. Maybe it's Medicare Advantage or private insurance if you're fortunate enough to have a benefits package from an employer that covers you in retirement. But those always cover basic care, preventative, and maybe some hospital or, or doctor um, expenses that are going to come up. But what people don't have coverage for is long-term care. Right. And if that you look long at extended illness, extended illness, right? Cancer, heart attack, stroke, something that kind of puts you a basic, dis not a basic disability, but a disability, right? right. Something that requires around the clock or extended care. And the administration on aging looked at the data and found that roughly 70% of people in the United States over 65 will need long-term care at some point in their lifetime. And the average duration is a little over three years. So you think about that and the average is, you know, the cost is staggering $200 a day for some type of skilled care, right? You're talking six grand a month, 72,000 a year for three years, it's $220,000, $230,000 easily. Yeah. That can take a big chunk of the retirement portfolio for a lot of people. So you might struggle to meet those expenses, but with some simple planning, you can help cover those. Absolutely. I have a friend whose um, mother has Parkinson's and she's kind of deteriorated to a point where she needs round the care, uh, care, round the clock care, sorry, is kind of in a, you know, has transitioned to being bedridden and her father, you know, was trying to take care of her, but unfortunately, you know, moving her in and out of the bed and just basic, you know, the, the basic, um, functions of everyday living have really become too much. And so he's spending upwards of, you know, a couple thousand dollars um, a week, if not more. I mean, just for eight hours of care, 10 hours of care. And he's saying, I'm going to have to cut this back just because the ongoing expense of it is just astronomical. So, I mean, and he's not alone. We hear about that all the time. So, you know, one of the things we talk about, and you you didn't hit on it per se, but, you know, as you get older and you look to retirement, one of the things from a cost perspective, the HSA, so as you get closer to retirement, that healthcare savings account can be used towards your healthcare expenditures, right? Um, so maybe something to think about as well. It is definitely the number one cause of bankruptcy. So it's certainly something to consider and talk through and plan for accordingly. You and I talked to one of my dear, dear friends who was talking about the expense associated and she's single in her 60s and spending, you know, upwards of four, five, six hundred dollars a month just for basic care. And that doesn't include she's got a high deductible. It doesn't it doesn't, um, you know, cover anything elaborate, I guess, is what I'm saying. So definitely a large expenditure um, that, you know, needs to be thought through. So moving on from the health care, I think we've kind of beat that a little bit, yeah. but it's certainly worth thinking about. Yeah. And exploring your options, right? You, you 
getting some information on how to potentially cover those expenses or protect yourself from those expenses, definitely a worthwhile exercise. So let's kind of turn the conversation when we talk about retirement to something a little bit more fun. And travel to me is always fun. And I'm always (laughs) saying to you, I'm not doing enough. And I certainly feel like in retirement, I want to do more. Yeah, we want to enjoy retirement, right? I, I think everybody does. Or as you said to me, ask me the question, is it traveling or sitting and watching the squirrels? <laughs> and I'm really not sure where you got that because I hope to gosh, no one's sitting and just watching those squirrels run around. And But hey, if that's your, if that's your jam, you go for it. <laughs> Plenty of people feed the pigeons in Central Park. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, again, back to if that's your jam, let's, let's make it happen. Let's get you the money you need to feed the pigeons in Central Park. Um, one of the most recent studies from Transamerica that we saw says that the cost of travel annually for folks in retirement from a planning perspective is probably eleven, maybe $12,000 a year. I would say that's on the low side in today's environment <laughs> with inflation. I mean, you can't fly anywhere for less than probably four or $500. <laughs> and that's in common or in the back of the plane <laughs> with your back up against the bathroom. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, so that eleven dollars to $12,000 might have been a couple years ago. But certainly, certainly a major expenditure to consider as you're looking. Uh, we talked about the, the housing-related expense, whether it's a mortgage or rent or um, extended stay, you know, if you want to stay at the beach and then a mountain house, um, the health care, your entertainment. Um, there's a lot of recurring expenditures that come into play as we think about retirement. And when we are sitting there with our eyes closed and painting that ideal picture, these kind of all come into play. Um so one of the, the rules that we use in estimating your expenditure or your cost is the rule of 25 to estimate how much support you're going to need for expenses. Right. So this is a basic rule of thumb. It was actually popularized in a book called The Number, which is a fantastic book, and it's written for uh, non-financial professionals, and I would definitely recommend it to people that want to understand it better. But let's just say that you think or estimate you'll spend about $5,000 a month in retirement, right? That's 60000 annually. And this is just basic expenses, right? You, you want to budget travel or anything else in there, obviously the number would be different. But take that $60,000 you think you'll need per year and you multiply it by 25. And the reason we use 25 is because it roughly represents or estimates the average length of your time in retirement. If you're 65 when you retire and you live 25 years, that would be 90. And we just talked about average life expectancy being 83 to 86 for men and women. Beth, 150. We're going to have to do totally different math for you. (laughs) Yes. So 60 times 25 is 1.5 million. Right. So. And with the 4%, uh, kind of the average return, I withdrawal rate that you anticipate, that's about $60,000 a year of safe withdrawal. Exactly. So it gives you a really good starting point, right? 1.5 million rough estimate should be able to provide you that $60,000 a year that you would want or need in retirement and reasonably, again, reasonably expect that it's not going to run out before you do. Um, 
we talk a lot. We've kind of talked around um, the the planning aspect, and you know, obviously, we've mentioned that both of us are certified financial planners. But really, everything we are talking about today is at the heart of the planning exercise. Um, you know, whether it's a short term need. Uh, so you're young and you want to buy a house, you're middle age and you want to plan for retirement, or maybe there's, to your point, you want to get out of the business early and you want to do something else. You want to shift careers. It all boils down to making a plan, setting a plan, asking yourself some difficult questions, setting a budget, um, putting in place the parameters for which, you know, can ultimately get you to your end goal and creating that living document that will move with you as you kind of hit those milestones and go to the next one. So you're young, you want to buy a house, you get the house. Now you want to have children. You want your children to go to college. We've talked through all of this. Today we're focused on the retirement component, which means, you know, what that looks and feels like for you is going to be different than what it looks and feels like for me. But kind of delving in to the planning piece, spending the time, peeling back the onion, getting into the weeds, determining what you want to do. You're looking at me like you're – and then, you know, taking that plan and and executing. Right. And, you know, what it, what it boils down to is what you want that retirement to look like, right? Do you want to leave a legacy or do you really plan to bounce the last check? Because once you can answer those questions – then we can talk about solutions. And you talked about developing the financial plan and the fact that it's a living document, right? It's going to change every year because likely some of the things you want are going to change or your situation is going to change. So it can adjust. It will adjust year to year. But once you can answer those questions, then we can talk about solutions. And there are a plethora of solutions available out there to people. Uh, Some will guarantee the income. So if you can back into a number that you think you need, you can use solutions that will guarantee income for life. Uh, Some will maximize the potential for growth, right? And some even will protect against downside loss, right? And they may guarantee that you'll never lose money. Some might just seek to minimize the risk of loss. And there are solutions that offer a combination of all of those, right? They will grow and provide you income guaranteed for life, or they will protect you from loss and and grow, or at least the opportunity for future growth. Um, But not all of them are suitable for everyone, just like we talked about with the legacy options, whether it's trusts, charitable giving, etc. Not all of those options are suitable for everybody. Not every investment or income solution is suitable for everybody. And that's why it's extremely important to talk with a knowledgeable professional who can explain the options to you, offer you the choices that might be best suited or at least a good fit for what you're trying to do and help you make an informed decision based on your experience, your objectives, and of course, as always, your risk tolerance. And I think it's important as we kind of close out today um, to kind of drum home not to wait, right? So we have so many folks that kind of put this on the back burner, especially in that kind of 30 to 50 age range, right? I have an eternity. I have forever. Things, you know, I'll I'll kick that down the proverbial road and do it later. Um, But I don't think we can stress enough that early planning, often and frequently discussions relative to that plan, you know, making changes accordingly is going to get you to that end 
state that you really, really desire and want. Yeah. And it's not just the people that are putting it off because they think they have plenty of time. We meet folks all the time, new clients and existing clients, not necessarily our existing clients, but new clients that come in or people we're just talking to casually. They say, oh, I already have a financial plan. We created it five years ago, 10 years ago. We're set. And those are the people that would probably help more than others because like we said a minute ago, and sounds like a broken record, but life changes every year. Shoot, it changes day to day for me, right? So you have to update those plans all the time. So even if, you, if you're listening and you have an existing plan that hasn't been looked at or updated in a couple of years or longer, we can help with that too. We can review it, make sure it still fits what you're trying to accomplish, update it where necessary, and help get you on track if you're slightly off track back to pursuing your goals. And as always, we welcome your feedback, ideas, and suggestions. This is a fluid podcast, and we are hoping to bring you topics and relevant information and appeal to the ideas and interests of our listeners. So you can reach out to us at hello at golfsidewealth.com. That's hello at golfsidewealth.com. We would love the opportunity to sit down and talk with you and create your retirement plan. This material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. Indexes are unmanaged statistical composites and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment and do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. The Standard & Poor's 500 Index is a capitalization-weight index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the broad domestic economy through changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major industries. Bonds are subject to market and interest rate risk if sold prior to maturity. Bond values will decline as interest rates rise and bonds are subject to availability and change in price. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Asset allocation does not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Due to the volatility of the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Any opinions or forecasts contained herein reflect the subjective judgments and assumptions of the author only and do not necessarily reflect the views of LPL Financial. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Please note that individual situations can vary, and therefore this information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice.